All right, folks, so we have a special conversation coming up here with Thomas Peterson in just a minute getting into the draft. But first, draft bingo cards are live, and the response has been amazing. I mean, honestly, as soon as we open that thing up to see a bunch of you just going and buying tickets and getting involved in this thing, and again, supporting the Eagles Autism Foundation, thank you so much. It's it's just awesome to see this kind of response for something that, I mean, let's be honest, we put this game Together, together, right? You put this in the Discord. I was working with a lot of your suggestions, and you guys suggested that we do bingo to begin with. So to be able to put this game together uh, and and now see it start to run the way that it is, we're super excited about it. So if you haven't bought a card, by the way, bellandthebirdmen.com is where you can go. So bellandthebirdmen.com. It's literally the first link. We put it right at the top of the page for you. So make sure you click on that. We got single ticket, six ticket, and 15 ticket packages. And the reason you might want to do the 15 is because, one, again, it, it all goes to the Eagles Autism Foundation. But second, the grand prize is two tickets to an Eagles game. So if you haven't signed up and you want to go to a game, this is your chance to do it from playing bingo on the first round of the draft. So it's all there at bellandthebirdmen.com. And thanks again. Let's get to our conversation with Thomas. All right, folks, welcome in for a special edition of Bell and the Birdmen here. We're joined by somebody that, I mean, always following him on Twitter, does a hell of a job with the YouTube channel, just a, a, a film guy in a way that, like, it's not like me and John, where it's like, hey, we watched this guy on YouTube for five minutes. Like, he's actually studying the tape, breaking it down. That's why people love him. We love him. Thomas Peterson's here. Yo, Thomas. Yo, Vince. What's up? Uh, everything, dude. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Literally everything. <laughs> One week from the draft, and we... Let's just get it. I mean, it's about time, right? It's and to get here at this moment, like how crazy is it that as soon as we're finally getting to this point with the draft, now it's it's AJ Brown, it's Debo Samuel, it's maybe Terry McLaurin. Like all these receivers are suddenly like, yeah, we all want to get moved, and it just it changes everything about how you look at this draft. Yeah, it, it does. And for wide receiver needy teams, I mean, you look at these contracts, and you, I mean, for the for the receivers in this draft, I mean, they they got to be licking their chops because they're probably going to go a little bit earlier than you probably expect just to get on those rookie deals. Yeah, so it's it's going to be. I mean, all the debating with that is fun. Now you're a Debo guy, right? Like based on your Twitter feed, are you Team Debo? I mean, how can you not be after watching him last year? I mean, he was basically the 49ers offense. That's how they function. Whenever they needed a spark, they just you know got it to Debo in in whatever way that they could, and he made it work. So I mean, he's. And listening to your guys, listening to your podcast, talking about Debo Samuel, I mean, he's he's just such a dynamic guy in whatever way you're going to use him. And if you're going to like when you're talking about building around a quarterback, if you're going to invest in a guy uh, for for a guy like Jalen Hurts, who may come up short uh, as a as a passer uh, consistently, I mean, why not get a guy where you can just, you know, make easy throws to him? He'll make everything happen on yourself. But that's a whole nother discussion. <laughs> Yeah, he, he he kind of reminds me of like uh, I think it's Mary Poppins where there's this guy he's like playing. A, he's, <laughs> wait, wait, wait! Of yeah. course, of course, Debo Samuel reminds you of Mary Poppins. Vince, of course. He does. Also, John is here, by the way. John, hi, hi everybody. John. So yeah, so so what happened? There's a guy, Mary Poppins. He like plays the accordion. He's got cymbals on his knees, and he's like whacking his knees together to play the drums. He's playing like you know, harmonica. He's playing like four instruments at the same time. He could just do everything, and and that is Debo Samuel. So there you go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> actually have a perspective on Tebow Samuel coming later in the uh, in this podcast from a guy in this draft. Yes. Ooh, okay. Well, I, well yep. I, I I wonder I it was actually a great segue, uh, Thomas, because like I was actually debating 
some of this in the Discord this actually this morning. And Ooh. it's a it's a tweet that I cannot stand. And I forget who tweeted it out, but this is very much in the draft Twitter mode. And I'm going to preemptively say this because me and Vince absolutely love Traylon Burks. Oh, you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Okay, good. We did not even talk about this. No, we didn't. We didn't. We didn't. So the thing I hate the most is seeing this thing on draft Twitter where it goes, well, when uh, why pay Debo Samuel? When you can save some money and draft Traylon Burks, and I know I'm on the same wavelength as everybody else with wide receivers, and a lot of smart people have been saying, listen, this is the position that's growing not only because of the game, but because of the revolution of seven-on-seven football that's happening throughout you know, youth and all that stuff. So you're automatically training as wide receivers. That's probably why you're seeing more of them in this generation and so forth. However, if you are trying to tell me that simply just drafting Traylon Burks and Debo Samuel, you have imaginary Debo Samuel in year one and you're good to go, that is not happening. That is not happening. That is not close to happening. And by the way, it took Debo Samuel to be Debo Samuel the same way that me and Vince, I think, argued about Josh Allen and his development and all that stuff. But like, I hate that. That diminim- it completely diminishes everything that Debo's done to this point and leading to that point and developing all that stuff. I hate it. I would take Debo Samuel, and now that it's official, Vince, what great timing, by the way. Thank goodness that it's official. Like, I am taking him over anybody in this draft, no questions asked. Oh, man. All right, Thomas, what, what do you think about Wait, that? Wait, who? Who are you taking over? Anybody? I'm taking Debo over every single wide receiver in this draft class. If I have an opportunity to go and get him with 15 or 18 and some mixed picks in. I mean, it really comes down to what you want, because like you said, going into a draft and thinking you can get uh, production similar to uh, Debo Samuel from a rookie wide receiver is just all that's always going to fail unless you're going to draft Jamar Chase, which is one out of I don't know how many. I mean, it. it this idea of of drafting a guy and thinking, all right, now I'm set. This guy's going to replace everything. We're going to be good. We're going to have consistent good play. That's just not how it works with rookies more often than not. So, if if your immediate need for your offense is to get a guy that that is as dynamic as a Debo Samuel, and you need it now, then you don't draft the guy. That is not like that is not the recipe for success. If you need a guy like that, you're going you spend a ton of picks on a Debo Samuel. And boom, you have, you have that uh, that player in your offense, and he you know he's a proven player. Um, like this transition from college to the NFL, I think it's much it's much deeper than than we uh, than we sometimes uh, think. And this whole process of gathering information of what kind of player is this, you know, the, the whole thing we don't get to see. Everything is beyond the tape. What is the what kind of person is this? What 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 are we projecting his learning curve to be? That goes so much into this in terms of how fast will he adapt to the NFL because we know there's going to be uh, a transition period from when they get drafted. So for sure, John, you can't – this whole thing of saying, all right, if, if, we, if we just draft uh, Trillian Burks, boom, we have a guy like Debo Samuel. Uh, probably you're not going to get a guy like Debo Samuel and Trillian Burks. And if you do, you you hit it. I mean, that is an ultimate hit in the, in the draft. And if you get a guy like that at 15, you're going to look like a really good GM. But most likely, it's going to take a couple of years to get to that point if he even gets there. So 
for for a team like the Eagles, you could say, do we need it now? Then yeah, go ahead and and, and spend the picks and and get a, a twenty six, I believe he is a twenty six year old wide receiver who can do all those things for a Jalen Hurts or for a whatever quarterback it's going to be next year. Um, but if you're if you're going to say we 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 much rather like the uh, the idea of having this core of of young wide receivers and having them grow. Um, you get a guy like Traylon Burks, and also if the price gets too steep, and you also say we don't want to pay twenty five million per year for a receiver now, then it makes more sense to get a guy on a rookie deal. Yeah, and, and that's that's been a oh, whole ahead, debate with all this stuff, right? It's like okay, all these wide receivers are moving around like crazy, and you're figuring out who to invest in, and for the Eagles, what makes sense? Like one of the guys that pops up. I mean, I was talking with somebody a little bit earlier, uh, Francisco, who's, who produces on the show as well so like we're, we're talking a little bit and he's like yeah man Jamison Williams I mean I know he's coming off this ACL tear but like he doesn't need to be ready right away for this team this year it's not a big deal and like I've had the same thoughts about David Ojabo who like is is been thrown around as an Eagles guy because hey he's an undersized defensive end from Michigan hmm uh so here's <laughs> 55 yeah <laughs> <laughs> so it's like you see this kind of stuff and it's like okay yeah for the Eagles I mean are they in a rush to get that kind of guy I can understand wanting to get him and like the Calvin Ridley thing adds a lot of fuel to that fire but but where does it push to a point where you go and get that veteran and at what point is it oh well no we're better off hoping that Traylon Burks even if he's like 80% of Debo Samuel that, that you hope that comes to fruition and you ride with that it's just it's a complicated game it is and I think it also you know, speaking in the same vein, Devontae Smith and what he was able to do last season, given the run-heavy offense and the, uh, not to paint a dark picture, but some of the compromised ability of Jalen Hurts at times in games, for him to put up the production that he did is very intriguing. And that, that should really put good faith in what Devontae Smith can be for this team. And like you said, it, like it's not they're in a, in, a, in a massive hurry where they need to necessarily uh, spend big on on a on a receiver. We, I mean, I think we all would like to have gotten some kind of veteran stability in the receiver room. Uh, given like Allen Robinson, I don't know. I I know you guys liked him as well. Um, but but they didn't do that. I mean, that just doesn't seem to be their their way of going about this. I I really think that they're they're going for younger, cheaper guys. And so, I mean, they got ten picks this year. How, how many picks do you think they're going to actually use? I'm I'm thinking like. Eight, not like they're probably going to use a lot of the picks this year. They probably should. I mean, they. I mean, they probably have to. They're, but I think there's going to be a lot of movement for the Eagles in this draft. They have the ammo to do it, um, and I think that this draft is going to be a lot. I, I think they're going to be moving around a lot. Like I could see them move up, down from fifteen. I could see them moving up in the second round. There are there's so many good players that's going to be dropping in the second round and. When we're done with Thursday next week, we're going to be looking at that board going into the second round and say, you got to move up for this guy. Like, there's there's going to be names dropping that I can't imagine they're not going to use some of those uh, massive assets. They have massive assets next year as well. I mean, <laughs> at some point, you got you got to get, like, proven, or not proven, but elite-level talent on the team, and you have the ammo to do it. I think they're going to move a lot. Okay, well, let me ask you about this, right? Because, like, one of the things is, I mean, for me, I, I spent all my time obsessing about the guys at the top of the draft, guys that kind of drift into the second round. And after that, it's like a certain guy here or there, but I'm not, I'm not digging into it. Like, I couldn't tell you with any authority what kind of draft this is. Like, what, what is it to you? I mean, what stands out about this draft class? What makes it interesting? What, what should you expect? You know what I mean? I think I'm expecting a ton of uncertainty. Um, 
the way that the the I'm, I'm keeping up with a lot of um of the big boards of a couple of guys like guys like Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, uh, some of the guys at the Draft Network, and it's been all over the place in a in a degree that I really haven't seen too much in 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 recent years. And w- when I watch these prospects, I have a hard time coming up with rankings from from different from different uh, positions because you, this is much more a a trait draft like they're look at the safety precision kyle hamilton is is, if you want a guy who who can play deep while also going into the slot maybe kyle hamilton is not your guy maybe you're actually looking for a guy like daxton hill who is like he he's he's short area quickness quickness is extremely well but hamilton's like field to field um or or side to side uh, range is 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 out of the world. It's like it really depends on what you want from from really basically any any position. The cornerbacks do do you play a ton of uh, do you play a ton of press man? Then uh, uh, Sauce Gardner is your guy. But if you want uh, if you want to play off man, you're you're not going to get a guy like like Derek Stingley for example. That he's not very good at that. If you want to play off man, then maybe uh, uh, Andrew Booth is your guy. If you play a shit ton of zone, Trent McDuffie is your guy. Uh, if you want to take a shot on a cornerback who has really good tape, but some of the measurables are more questionable, uh, Roger McCrary from, I believe that's how you say his name. See, that's always a difficulty with the draft is how you actually pronounce some of these names. Uh, it's a problem the, for Goodell. I can't do that too. anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> Goodell always screws up guys in the first round. I love that, by the way. I love when that happens. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. and Thomas, not to cut you off too, but like that's that's the one thing I noticed too is just like it's almost a, a very acute skill bit like this one person i'm sure we're going to talk about him because i'm like i'm i'm convincing myself right now that jordan davis and we're going to keep fighting about this because you know Vin, vince isn't really right. a big jordan davis guy He's uh yeah <laughs> but um but like it's just i feel as though there's these weird blimps in the radar jordan davis having like you know running what he does and yeah and and then you kind of try to understand like the dip, like you're listening to Greg Cosell and you're going, yeah, there's a lot of two gapping here. And like, I don't see this. I don't see that. And then you listen to like uh, Josh Norris and Ben Fennel and they're going, well, that's kind of by design. And uh, look at him completely rip up freaking three yards and turn a center perpendicular. And like, so, so this is really about projection for a lot of the stuff, especially when you're dropping out of like six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and things like that. Exactly. And, and, and I'll we'll get to Jordan Davis, I'm sure. But one of the things that I notice, and I it's almost a joke at this point. You've probably noticed it. Trent McDuffie, 15, is like free candy to every mock draft that I've ever seen in my life here. And my theory is like, I don't know, instinctively, 15 is just going to be gone, up or down, something like that. That's uh, that's that's too much. Like, where is in your eyes the the why is everyone doing that? I'm I'm missing something. And how do you feel about Trent McDuffie overall? Um, I think uh, McDuffie isn't. He's not a guy who's going to jump off the screen to you. Like he's not going to make plays where you go, "Holy shit!" I mean, <laughs> like uh, Lewis Sign for uh, the uh, Georgia safety. I don't even know if that's the right way to pronounce his last name, but he's a guy who's going to stand out to you. Like the some of the plays he makes is out of this world. But when you watch play by play and you really focus in on him, you notice that a lot of his a lot of his movement is is kind of limited and his his hip mobility, he's he's transitioning from from back paddling to turning his hip isn't isn't really fluid. So he 
he kind of gets limited when when he is uh, when he's uh, needed to to cover receivers with 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 great quickness in the short area. Trent McDuffie is is really really good at that, and what he's what he's good at as well when he's playing zone, he understands the the concept of his um, one of his co defenders, but also of what the what the receivers are actually doing. Say you have like um, uh, you have a sales concept just to, to pull something out here uh, from the slot where you have a guy going straight uh, straight to the slot and the and the um, outside wide receiver is going to go on a on a corner route. What you'll see a lot of the time is they notice that uh, that that the flat guy is going out. And they just get depth and suddenly that opens up if you're playing cover two. McDuffie knows exactly what he, he's uh, his co defenders is doing, so you're not going to see him drop too deep. He's always going to cut away those. Um, uh, those intermediate routes when he knows that he's got help from the middle. Uh, so he, he doesn't really play. He, he plays very mistake-free football, but he he doesn't make a ton of big plays. Does that make sense? It it does, and it's a it's a funny way to kind of describe. Like, because for me, I look at McDuffie, and my like expert analysis is he's fake good. Like that's that's where it goes. Because <laughs> I see this guy, and I'm like, okay, he's he's in the Pac-12. A lot of the plays that I see, it's like there's terribly thrown balls all around him and all the highlights that I'm watching. There's yeah. times where he's he might go up and like maybe he gets a piece of something, but I'm not seeing him actively like make a wow grab. Like I've seen Stingley from time to time, and you see some of the grabs that he makes. You're like, oh my God, that interception was insane. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like those You those must guys- love Andrew Booth. Well, I, Booth is fun to me. Yeah, I'm everyone, <laughs> everyone says Andrew Booth. That's like everyone's favorite thing. Like, don't do that. Do this. Yeah, that's yeah, crazy. He's fun. He's fun, but I can see those things, and I go, okay, I can see the athleticism. I can see the ball skills. I can buy all that stuff. Like a guy with McDuffie, it just feels like it's such a. It's got to be like such a technical scheme thing that brings him up to that level. Because I see the athleticism, but I don't see any elite plays that make me go like, wow, this guy's going to be special. And so when I see McDuffie at fifteen, it scares the crap out of me. Yeah, and I think the the thing that scares me the most about McDuffie and where I have uh, doubts about him because I've, I've no doubt that he's going to be he, he's going to be a, a con- contributing cornerback immediately, simply because of his his, his athleticism and his ability to understand zone, and that's gonna that's gonna go a long way f- for him in the beginning of his career in the NFL. But his his uh, press man experience is is limited. Can it get there? Maybe. <laughs> I'm, I'm not as I'm not as certain with, with with Trent and his ability to to get up to the line of scrimmage and really make an impact as I am for Sauce or for Andrew and uh, Stingley to some extent. I have some question about his uh, press man technique, but um, but but for for even uh, even McCrary as well. So so McDuffie is going to be one of those guys where you look at a trait and say, how much do I value? the mental aspect of playing zone and really having the eyes in the right place. And if, if you do that, if you, if you're a zone heavy defense and you value the, the ability of your, your, um, your cornerbacks to supply in the, in the, uh, in the run game, then McDuffie is a guy for you and, and should be a, a, um, a top 20 cornerback. Uh, Man, yeah, that's it's. Uh, I don't know, man. If they like, if they got McDuffie like twenty five, I'd be like, all right, like this is this is enough for me. I I don't know if this is an exact comp, but it's it's kind of in the ballpark of just like how I felt about a player and then uh, how how it didn't work out. But I think like Vernon Hargraves a couple of years ago 
where mm. he he came out of Florida and it was like, oh, well, this guy, a lot of people think he's going to really be special. And they were talking about him as a first rounder. He might have drifted to the second. And I think he's in the league, but he's not in, he's not really doing anything like it's just I don't know. It, he just scared the crap out of me. Anybody but, can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure he ran a four six or something like that. And that's what put him down. Or am I thinking of somebody else? But yeah, yeah, it's 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 weird, man. And like, I think McDuffie here's ran the other a four, four, four. Okay. Oh, four, four. That's oh yeah. That's solid. I, that's solid. Yeah, that's that is solid. Um, it, well, two quick things on that, real quick, Thomas. Then I had another question for you. Do you? I I look at him as a future safety. Do you? Um, I I think he could definitely play safety. Uh, I think his he I think he's going to succeed at cornerback simply due to his to how fluid of a mover he is. But mm-hmm. again, it, it, we also were kind of cursed as Eagles fans because because whenever we watch Washington players, we're also thinking of of Sidney Jones a little bit, <laughs> right? <laughs> Damn right. So, but I, I, but yeah, I, I think he has, he has versatility to, to, to play as a safety. He, he can definitely hit. He, his ability to read, uh, to read route concepts and, and his, his quickness certainly would allow him to line up a safety. So I guess you'd also get some, you, you get some versatility in there. Is what, yeah, because I look at those guys too, right? Like thinking about this, the safeties and everybody that's in this class, like, uh, the, the say was a sign or scene or however you say it, like, that that guy, I see him, and and everything I'm watching the highlights. I mean, he comes down the line, and he beats the shit out of people, and it's it's fun, it's fun to watch. But then I look at a guy like that, I'm like, is this guy a safety or is he a linebacker? Like, I just, I I, I feel like that's it's becoming such a thing where those guys are are similar, and everything's moving around so much. It's almost like just draft five defensive backs; they'll play everywhere, and you just <laughs> figure it out these days. Right, I think it's kind of funny you brought up the 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 safety versatility with uh, with McDuffie, John, because it's kind of what I have when I when I'm looking at uh, a guy like Daxton Hill from Michigan. Um, I mean, he he's he's been lining up when when they were in base, um, he was their deep safety. But but whenever they were they were out of base, he will he'll be he'll play as the slot cornerback, and the way that he's jamming receivers off the line. Uh, he, his quickness, his, his speed, like he, he doesn't let anyone get away from him. I'm looking at him and I can say, shit, I mean, this guy might, might be able to play outside cornerback. <laughs> like, <laughs> so so it, it's kind of funny how that works because whenever you have a guy who, who uses their hand well, is is fluid in their transition, uh, Dax is a little bit bigger than McDuffie, actually. I mean, he, he's six foot flat um, and, and moves extremely well. He's he might be even be a little bit slender for a safety, but he, I mean, he can hit. So <laughs> that's a guy as well. But when I'm looking at him, like Daxton Hill, I, when I'm when I'm watching him play, I'm I'm thinking a little bit like, like a Malcolm Jenkins type of guy who I actually might be think. No, he could probably play corner if you wanted him to. You're not going to do that, which I mean that would be a deficit. But <laughs> the versatility probably is there. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this, Thomas, because this has been a thing that's been sort of raging the last couple of months. And me and John have gone back and forth about this a little bit. I mean, like Kyle Hamilton and the idea of him being a top five pick potentially and just safeties being worth that in general. Like, what do you think about the versatility of safeties? What is the value of that? Would you see Hamilton as a top five guy? Because I love him. And and if I was Detroit and I saw him at two, I would do it like I would pull the trigger. I'm just I'm that in on the guy. Yeah, he's a really good player. I think the whole the whole Kyle Hamilton discussion and whether he's going to fall off draft boards really comes comes down to the positional value discussion and whether or not you can justify making 
a top five, maybe even top ten pick on on a safety, because there there's there's no denying, and I don't think that anybody who's watching Kyle Hamilton play will say that he is he's nothing short of an of an elite prospect. I mean, a guy that's six foot four and moving the way he does and playing as technically sound as he does. You're you're just you're looking at his tape and you just go wow he he's just he's a really good player he's he's one of those guys who we say he could be one of the best at his position, but do you value safety enough to to spend a top five pick on him? I'm gonna be that is one of the things like outside of Eagles related stuff un, unless he drops that is one of the, that's gonna be one of those things I'm really looking forward to on draft night because it's gonna t- say a lot about how much you value premier positions. And I know a guy like that John li- uh, loves in Tyler Lindebaum. I, and I think we, we share that thing uh, about him. And the, cause when I'm, when I'm watching Tyler play, I go, he, he might be one of the best players in the draft at his position, but how much do you value drafting a center? A lot, right? <laughs> a lot. Jason no, Kelsey's but, leaving, so we can get into that. But, I'm but, sure. But, but, uh, like, but look at his tape. He's he's mauling people, and it doesn't matter what size they are. Like he's smacking them into the ground. The run game. Uh, he rarely does he give up any ground in the pass game. He is he is an a- athletic freak, and he. And really, why doesn't he, everybody want him? Because he's got T Rex arms, and it's just not good enough. And because some dumbass had like, uh, well, the, of the four guys that actually we allowed in, it uh, became a narrative. Okay, then why is it a why is it not a problem on Saturdays? Not with one person. Like any any of those dudes outweighed them, out shuffle them, but they can't outrun them. It's the same thing. Like ah, man, whatever. Everybody's gonna be wrong. And if he ends up on the Cowboys, I'm going on the live yeah. stream and I'm turning <laughs> over the table. Yeah, I really am. Like I'll be that mad because you just allowed a Hall of Fame center to walk into a rival, or at least a a, a, a very a, a outstanding one for the next ten years, and and so on and so forth. So obviously, I'm I'm you know I'm in on that. You, Thomas, I did want to pivot real quick because you mentioned logo scouting, which is which is kind of what you were getting into there when you know uh, discussing uh, McDuffie, and this is another one that's been hitting everybody. Um, well, especially me, and I think Vince, right in the old tummy gut. Uh, Drake London is the other guy that keeps popping up here, and I think Peter Schrager, uh, as we described on the last episode, really made me mad <laughs> on passing, like on trailing Burks and all that other stuff. So, are you love that mis- mock, didn't you? Oh, I loved it so <laughs> much. I wanted, to, I wanted him to sign it, and autograph it, and frame it. Um, uh, should we be like, is this a case of? Oh, they drafted Nelson Aguilar, Juju Smith, Schuster is not going to be good. Or are we seeing this thing right? It, it's um, he's a he's a tricky case, and I am I am happy and thrilled that I don't have to make the judgment on whether or not Drake Drake London is going to be the next Mac. I walk out of the room. A white side, nobody. <laughs> <laughs> or if he's going to be one of those guys who is going to consistently make ridiculous catches without getting any separation, because I don't think he's going to get any separation. And but I, I think I am I'm looking at a receiver from the USC that doesn't really get separation, and the way people describe him is this man amongst boys uh, makes like his physicality is what what wins and that will still be there in the NFL. That is what I told myself over and over and over when I watched J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. 
and man, was that horrible. Uh, so, <laughs> I, hey, at I, least I, you didn't jump out of your chair and celebrate and do a cartwheel while when they drafted him. So, eh, at least I didn't do that, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think uh, pretty close to it. I mean, I was ecstatic when they drafted him. I was like, eh, thank God we got him and not AJ Brown. <laughs> Just, oh man, yeah, what a, what a disaster that was. So I'm like- traumatized when I'm watching a guy like Drake London. It's scary. It's scary. And for me, I look at because I think like, all right, another USC wide receiver back in the day, a possession guy that did not work out at all. Mike Williams, right? Like there are guys Uh like that that happen all the time. And it's one of those things where like and and you think about where the modern NFL is and the same way that we look at certain guys and we go, huh, like, John, you're thinking McDuffie could play safety. I'm looking at a guy. uh, Thomas, you mentioned Dax Hill. He can play everywhere. I look at scene and or sign. And I'm thinking, all right, this guy's a linebacker to me. Like, why can't Drake London just switch to tight end if it doesn't work? You know what I mean? Or just be a great tight end. Right? Like if you're six four and you can move that well and your problem is separation against corners, play tight end. Like there's nothing wrong. Mike Gesicki spent more snaps at wide receiver in the slot than he did at tight end last year. Just play tight end. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. If you're big, you can move, you got hands, go like that. But people tend to get these prospects and put them in a box and go you are a wide receiver you will only play wide receiver and then let's you're a i don't know jordan matthews after eight stints with the eagles then you finally become a tight end (laughs) but why don't more guys do that and he's the kind of guy where i would feel more comfortable taking a shot on him if they were willing and considering the fact that maybe he's a tight end if it doesn't work out I mean, Vince, they're playing JJ Ortega wide side as a blocking win, a wing T. So, I mean, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) They're willing to move around so much, and he's probably going to end up as a blocking tight end. And we're going to be so happy that they took a flyer. No, no, I'm just kidding. But (laughs) talking about uh, comps for Drake London that. Like on the other side of the uh, uh, the other side of the uh, on the scale, like a guy like T. Higgins was also a guy I, I looked at and said, "All right, he's, uh-huh. he doesn't really he doesn't move well enough to to shake cornerbacks, but he makes he makes tremendous catches down the field. Like uh, he you know he outbodies guys, and he's been able to consistently do that. Uh, like when he when he got to the NFL, so he, it could also go that way. So like I don't know what to do with Drake London, but I think what I've decided a little bit for myself when I'm watching wide receivers is that if you go with a guy who is tremendous with the ball in his hands one and 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 on top of that like combine that with a with a good um like physical um skill set like a Traylon Burks for example like he's not a refined route runner uh he, he kind of ran a limited route tree uh, at Arkansas but he beat the best competition in, in in college football by a lot and outran people and out, out like physically abused people and make phenomenal catch and concentration catches and was featured a ton in the running game screen game uh short uh all the short concepts and he was able to make that work against sec competition i, I wouldn't feel much better um putting faith in uh in a guy like Traylon brooks than i would uh than i would drake london but really if for, for wide receivers in general, what I like to see is they if they is that they have an ability to win with route running, right? Uh, Devontae Smith, I had I had no doubt that that he he could become something in the NFL because he's simply a phenomenal route runner, and that never fails. That will always work when you get to the next level. Um, and so 
a guy like Garrett Wilson is, uh, I think he's probably going to go a lot higher than what, than what we think, simply because I think he's the best route runner in the class. And when it, when it comes to all these receivers too, right? Cause one of the things that comes up and and this is looking at all the guys that the Eagles were interested in before throughout the off season, whether it is Allen Robinson or Devonte Parker, which was a sad state of affairs or wh- whatever it was, uh, the guys now Debo and AJ and whatever, um, when you're looking at all that, I mean, thinking about the credence to the idea of is it worth getting a certain body type? You know what I mean? Because yeah. part of the the attraction is, oh, well, Jake Drake London, he's he's a big guy. So you have a big guy next to a skinny guy. And like, that's where this all goes. I mean, does that does that matter to you? Because like I look at this a lot and I just go, just give me a guy that can play now. Like right. if you just get good players. Yeah. I mean, what's the point of having different body types if the one body type isn't open? Like just just have guys who are good at playing football. Just have good wide receivers who who can run and separate from cornerbacks. Then like, it doesn't matter what what route concept you're gonna you're gonna be using. If if you have fluent route runners, you know that's great. And and if not that, then at least have guys who are decent route runners who can make something spectacular happen with the ball in their hands. Yeah, and, and and here's the other thing too, right? Because here's part of the insanity of it is like, all right, people always plan for offense that way because they always think about offense. But when you think about building a defense, right? It's not like okay, uh, you've got Darius Slay, and now you need a guy that's smaller to defend the quicker guys. You know what I mean? Like, right. It's it, nobody builds like that. You just get two good corners, you put them out there, and you hope for the best. Like it's the same thing. You just you. you get the best two receivers that you can or three receivers because everybody loves to slot these days and you run those guys out and to just think that like oh you need this certain type unless you don't have anybody that's even remotely like six foot one and you have dallas goddard like oh, okay then i could see you need a, a red zone guy but otherwise it's just it just feels like a, a fool's errand right and going on to that point i heard um a, a really good argument in terms of of what the safety position has turned into like from the the, tra- the traditional free safety, strong safety uh, way of viewing the backfield, the, it it, it kind of really doesn't make sense anymore. Because if why do you want to limit yourself from having a, a, a box safety and and a guy who always plays deep when you can have two? Like if you can have two guys with with the versatility, because it it makes it more difficult for the offense to read what you're actually going to be doing, and your ability to to disguise your coverage. Um, increases if you have two guys who can do sort of the same thing. If you have versatility in your backfield, you don't know who's going to be dropping deep. You don't know who they want to have in the box. So, it, like, if, if you see the defense line up in a certain way, and they're trying to dis, uh, to disguise uh, uh, a one high look, and you look in one side, all right, there I have my uh, I have my Dax Hill, and looking to the other side, or right, there I have my Brian Cook. The Cook is not going to be dropping into the deep zone. Cook is going to be defending the run of the box because that who what, what's he, that's what he does well. So the, the the position like the safety position has changed into a way that you want physical guys who can come in and support the run, but you you really want them to be able to both play the slot and also play deep. Um, so it, I I think the safety position has changed a little bit, and that way it's putting more demand on it. Um, and so maybe it'll be valued a little bit more. I don't know, but so I mean, maybe Hamilton's a top five pick. Maybe safety's <laughs> worth it these days. Is exactly. that, is that yeah. what I'm or, hearing? Or maybe he's going to be the first, uh, the first safety drafted in the first round by the Eagles. I don't know. <laughs> uh, don't get me too excited now. Don't get me too excited. Okay. I, yeah, still, yeah, who, who would you? Who would your dream first round guy be? Well, I'll say it's it's Jordan Davis. 
Like, yeah, I'm, I wasn't even sure if he would make it to 10, honestly, at one point. And now it looks like there's they, they, like, it's, it's, it's split again or whatever it is. I've seen him mock to the Texans. I've seen him mocked, you know, kind of, kind of in that 10 to 13 range where I'm going, well, all right, man. I mean, if, if people really are that scared about it and he doesn't go in the top five, then, then let's go. Like I'm, that's a guy 15 and 18, you'd give up to go get it 10 and swing to me or nine or eight, whatever it is. Like I'm all in on doing that. If that's what you have to do, he and Fletcher Cox in a one-year rotation is exactly what you want, you know, like, and, and it's perfect with what you already have with, uh, with Williams being here and, and kind of grooming him into that. You have Hargraves who you have just nothing but attack, 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 which is what they've always been trying to stress. Uh, you know, since Fletcher Cox has been here and Hargrave has been an amazing addition to that. I think he's been the first guy that's been, you know, able to anchor that. And I think this is the other kid. I don't think he's a replacement of Fletcher Cox. I just think it's your probably best shot to do it. And, you know, how often does that happen that you get another athletic defensive tackle as well as he tested, as good as his tape looks. And yeah, he's got to get lower on his pad level. Great. Um, on the that's scale. Very- yeah. Oh, come on. Eat all the eat. and do you know what his do you know what his uh his his DJ name is by the way? This is a serious DJ name. No. DJ Oreo. He makes music still to this day as DJ Oreo. You tell me another guy that moves like him that could be as destructive as him and then just pull up and hear this DJ Oreo Oreo sack amongst like Lincoln Financial Field. We would go crazy. There would be a DJ Oreo shake dance. There would be all of that. Like the aesthetics alone is why I wanted here. At worst, this guy is a good defensive tackle. And John, like, if the Eagles spend the 15th and the 18th pick to move up to draft Jordan Javis, I better be hearing that sound drop every single week. <laughs> <Well>, we <laughs> he has to. to make sack after sack after like. <laughs> but that's what the, that's the fascinating thing about this draft, right? That it, it varies so much between between everyone. Because w- before the combine, I was looking at Jordan Davis and like, eh, maybe a, a bottom first half guy, simply you know because of the like, you know, his size, occasional pass rush, uh, where he he smothers a guy, sometimes disappears, didn't play too many snaps every game, uh, was was out of the field on third downs. But then you see the then you see the athleticism on on in, like in the combine, and you can clearly tell who like who values that, and I just think it's fascinating how much how much the the opinions varies on Andrew Booth. You can find uh, ten guys at the Draft Network. I don't know if there's that many guys, but basically every guy at the Draft Network they have Andrew Booth over Derek Stingley. A few of them have him over Sauce Gardner. Uh, Sauce Gardner. Bucky Brooks have him as the second best cornerback in the draft. Daniel Jeremiah doesn't have him in the first round, right? So it's yeah. <laughs> it's so up and down compared. Like it's just it's what you see. It's what you put your value in with with, with some of these players. And I think Daniel Jer- uh, Daniel Jeremiah made a point on the Round the NFL podcast where he said nine guys, eight or nine guys from last year's draft could have been the first overall pick in this year's draft. I think that is so well said. Wow. Man. Man, yeah, and it's and it is crazy. And he's actually giving his press conference right now as we're recording this there too. And another thing that he, that he that he noted was, and I thought this was an interesting take because I I haven't heard it a lot. Maybe I've just been burying my head in the sand. But you know, the wide receivers basically past the fourth round are 
he's saying projects essentially. I'm just paraphrasing, but you know, he goes, there's a, there's a severe drop off once you kind of get to uh, past the third round here. So I think that worries me a little bit too, in, in trying to like fix the wide receiver position here, you know, and this is the other thing that uh, I'm finally glad that Les Bowen wrote this guys. And I don't know if you caught this at all. Something we talked about on the podcast, like, especially in this draft, I would rather you just go swing like that because like they don't have, they don't have uh, their main guys that built this draft board with them. And that's been my concern all along. It's just like, man, this is not, um, this is not great to have like two of two of the people you trusted to build one of your best drafts that Howie Roseman's been a part of. Uh, and you're in the bottom. <laughs> you're in the bottom and everybody knows what you're doing. Like from free agency on, everybody pretty much knows what you're doing. So, you know, like I would, I would rather them just be very aggressive and swing for the fences and not play this percentage stuff. This is where kind of Howie Roseman's speech comes into uh, fruition, I hope. And, you know, don't, don't turn right or turn left. I'll kill you if you're wrong, but like pick mm -hmm. a road. You what know? about you, Vince? Who, who, who's your guy in this trap? Yeah, so based on who I think is reasonably going to be available, because, yeah, I mean, for me, it's Hamilton and everybody else. But then uh, but it, it's just a fact. I, I just don't think he's going to fall that far. So unless you're trading up, he's out. But the guy that I think could be available at 15, I think, makes all the sense in the world and just would be fun as hell to see here. It is Jamison Williams. I mean, I've really the more I've thought about him and like uh, I like Alave a lot, too, but I just think Williams is a little more explosive. And that's what does it for me, you know, yeah. like to have that kind of speed with Devonte and his speed and quickness and, and efficiency as a route runner and Quez is your three and Goddard is your big guy. Like there's a, there's a lot of stuff going on there and it's really hard to defend and it would just be fun. Like it, it just be an exciting team to watch, to see those kinds of young burners running together. So I'm in for that. I think he's available and, and he makes a lot of sense. And then the other guy, like thinking about what would happen at 18, if and and Booth is the guy, and that's the the funny thing is is for oh, forever I I hadn't even heard about the guy. Nobody was mentioning him, and then suddenly it's like, no, this guy's super good, and like everybody's mocking him to the Eagles or whatever. And I'm like, wait, shit, what? And I, I go check him out. And I'm like, oh, I totally see it. This guy makes all the sense in the world, and if he's going to be around at 18, and they desperately need youth in the secondary, then give me that guy. So yeah, for me, Williams and uh, and Booth. Okay, I mean that would be a pretty good first round. That would hit. That would hit on some pretty big needs. Yeah, yeah and, and GM. That's it. it's, <laughs> and speaking of that, Thomas, I wonder if you see. Um, I mean, I'm not going to call him Jamar Chase, but I see some Jamar Chase like generational stuff in Williams, especially the the fact that like, I mean, he's just fucking fast, man. Let's be honest, and 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 not only that, but he he can just. Again, he can be your ex, he can be your slot, he can be kind of all over the place. In, and uh, um, I think he'd be a, a top 10 pick if, if the injury didn't happen or if there wasn't concerns there. But, like, I'd be so happy with that in the end. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, the, the NFL will always have a hard-on for guys who, who well, with that kind of speed. And, like, he, he just scores from so many different positions and and the the deep thread ability is always going to be something that is that is going to be very valued in in, in every offense. I think James I think Jameson Williams is is he's an underrated route runner as well. He's not gonna you know, he's not gonna he's not gonna flash in the way like a guy like Devontae Smith is gonna do, 
but he he's he's a sneaky good route runner. I mean, he can he can move a lot. What about um uh what about the Georgia wide receiver? Pickens. Oh, Pickens? Um, yeah, Pickens. He's oh, another guy that I th- if he didn't get injured, he would he would have been he would have been a way up the draft boards. Uh, that's yeah. yeah I'm, go ahead, Vince. Sorry, buddy. All right. Well, for, first off, uh, Ramos is exploding as he hears the mention of uh, George Pickens. So there you go, Ramos. But yeah, it's like like when you see a guy that's that big, <laughs> and and there's a couple of guys in the draft that the more you look into this, the kid out uh, was it Christian Watson out of uh, North Dakota State and stuff mm-hmm. like there's there's so many. I mean, now there's just so many good wide receivers that come out of the draft every year, and and this year's no exception. Like to see that second group, that second tier. And how talented it is! It's like, man. I mean, because uh, we're talking about AJ Brown right now, and you're talking about and uh, the the whole like Traylon Burks when you got Debo, like that kind of thing. It, like, who is the AJ Brown this year? Because it feels like one of those guys is going to pop. Who is the DK Metcalf of this year? Because one of those guys is going to pop. I mean, only so many receivers are going to go in the first, and it, whether it's Pickens, Watson, or or whoever, like, there's just somebody's going to blow up. And if it turns out for the Eagles that they don't go receiver in the first round and they end up with somebody in the second, I'm okay with that because the talent's there. Yeah. There's a lot of guys that you can, that you can go get in this draft. Like the, 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 the top, what 10 it, it, <laughs> Yeah. It's, is super stacked. So I, I think like, I think they're, if they're going to, if they're going to be waiting on a guy, they, they can wait till the second round and then trade up for like, like a guy like George Pickens, uh, like in the second round, if they don't feel comfortable, uh, uh grappling, um, you know, like Jameson Williams and Garrett Wilson probably might be gone at 15 with the way that the, like if some of these rumors coming out, uh, uh, like if, if some of those are true and there's a lot of wide receiver need, uh, needy teams in that top 14, they might be gone. And so probably the, like you can wait until the second round. There's going to be plenty of talent there with, uh, Watson, Olave probably he's going to go late uh, late first, but Sky Moore. I mean, there's so many guys there that are really good football players. Now, how about this? Are there are there any positions that you think are like empty? You know what I mean? Like, there's like three good players and that's it. Is is it shallow anywhere in this draft? Um, I think offensive line. Um, but maybe that's also a little because I I have been like it's the the position that I've been diving into the least. I'd say. Um. Mm. But I, th- I just think after uh, after Linderbaum and uh, there's some talk about Charles Cross moving inside. Sion Johnson from Boston Co- College is a guy that I really like. Um, I just don't know about like after that. I guess that's also why I, I kind of like I, the, the the gap between Linderbaum and anyone else is just so damn steep. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, yeah, it's it's kind of. It may be the worst thing ever that John and I are so happy with Ty Linderbaum because he would fit perfectly with the Cowboys. It would suck so much. Yeah, it would. <laughs> it's gonna be. That's what I mean. Like, oh boy, eighteen yeah. has to happen there. That's that's. It's more important to me than anything. If it, if it's not Jordan Davis, if it's not all that, I would I would take a chance on one of the wide receivers at fifteen, and Linderbaum's my guy. Yeah. I don't give a shit what anybody's talking about. The, the The worst thing that has happened with that kid is he only fits a certain system. What the fuck are you looking at? Do you realize that the system he's in is old, archaic, and has been run since 1995? Like, he's right. doing the work there. 
You know, they're not doing, there's no sugarcoating Iowa linemen. That's the one thing that I can definitely say is Kirk Ferentz and his dumb ass who never understands anything outside <laughs> of that bubble of that era of football and got a little sliver from Bill Belichick and thinks he's God. Like they make their linemen on both sides of the ball work. And, and he, he's literally Jason Kelsey's son. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like, and one of the be best centers after. in the past decade, maybe. Yeah, I'll be really disappointed, man. That's that. If you want disappointment, I mean, that's an easy one for me. All my Iowa bias, all that stuff in there. But um, yeah, I um, I wanted to say this too because uh, this just came across as the Arizona Cardinals are having their little <laughs> uh, pre-draft press conference and uh, Steve Kime saying there's zero chance that uh, Kyler Murray gets traded. So uh, I don't believe you. Uh, and uh, I wonder if... Um, Thomas, are we going to see as many fireworks as, as we're thinking with, you know, hey, Debo's in the air, maybe DK's in the air. Do you anticipate anything on draft night as like a big big switcheroo? Because I, I think this is all fluff in the end. Maybe maybe Debo moves, but I think post-draft. My initial gut feeling will be that this is all going to be, this is all going to turn into nothing and all of those uh, wide receivers are going to get paid. But I've seen enough in this offseason to not be surprised by anything. And it will be the most 2022 offseason thing to ever happen if one of those guys get dealt. Even like either on draft night or leading up to. Oh, crap. Yeah. I just I just had a nightmare scenario where the Chiefs go and, and land Debo. Oh, 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 oh. oh man. No, they have that's what scares me too. And there and that would be very that would be way more attractive to Debo especially if you can stick it to them in the Super Bowl if they ever see him again. Yeah, and they, I mean, you just lost Tyreek Hill. You need help at wide receiver still. They've yeah. got all these tall guys, but but to get that kind of speed with, in there would be really nice for them. I just Major it, versatility. You're right, Vince. The, the, I mean, it's not Tyreek Hill versatility, but it's pretty damn close, and he's, he doesn't have to run the football in Kansas City. I can tell you that much. <laughs> you know, so like, yeah, that would be – why did you have to say that out loud a week before I the draft? I, I got to shut up sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Thomas, man, I, I know we, we didn't talk about this at all, but do you want to come hang out with us round one, brother? Live? I don't know what your schedule is, and I don't know if you're staying up late in the old in, uh, in uh, Denmark. John, of, but... my, of course I took the day off on Friday. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I, I know oh, that there is the day off. A, a lot yeah, sure. of uh, fantastic. There's a lot of misplaced time zones during the draft, and uh, – You'd be a, an obvious welcome addition to just hanging out and uh, and doing all that stuff. Is it, uh, is it an 8 p.m. thing? Does it start at 8? Yeah, it starts at 8 p.m. All right, so 2 a.m., I'm going to be up with my coffee, and I'll <laughs> join in on the Discord. <laughs> all right, let's I go. Love this. I love this. I love this. Um, I am sure uh, we're going to be talking to you one more time before uh, before the draft. Before we go, I want to give you yes. my ideal scenario Please. in round one, because I think, John, you hit it right Right where it has it, you knocked it out of the park. 15 is gone. 15 is not going to be staying. The ideal scenario, and you guys talked about this on your last show, Eagles do not develop cornerbacks, right? That's what you said. Don't. Why don't they develop cornerbacks? Because they always draft them shitty late where the talent is horrible. It that That's not going to keep working. Like, you can only develop... that so much from what you're given. Darius Slay, we don't know how long he's going to stay with the team. Probably not more than two years, maybe three years tops. And who else is there? 
And we, there's no safety right now. We don't know if Hunter is going to come. More likely than not, they're probably going to miss out like they did on everybody else this, this offseason. <laughs> the Eagles secondary is in shambles. And who, who is cornerback to? Who is the safety? And, and what, what's happened when Anthony Harris is gone? They need DB help more than ever. They have spent two first-round picks in franchise history on DBs. And last time was in 2002. This is the season to do it. They loved Sertain last year. They loved uh, J.C. Horn last year. They didn't draft those guys. They didn't get the chance to it after they moved down. This is the year where if Sauce Gardner falls to six, you're moving up. Oh, <laughs> baby. Yo, we'll be this jumping is, out of our skin. Kind, that I've been... you're, this is a guy who can play, play press man as well as anybody that we've seen in like a, as a draft talent. Yeah. He didn't do it against the top competition, but like he did it against Alabama and he's done it against everybody else. He can play off man. Nobody ran away from him when he was playing off coverage. He is perfect for what the Eagles want. He, he's not a system cornerback. You can pluck him into anything. There's going to be some bumps on the road, but he like a, a talent like that. Isn't anything Eagles have had have drafted probably ever for a secondary. This is the draft to do it, and if not, you're moving down from 15. That is what I'm going to say. Mike, uh, you can't see All me, right. but I'm standing. I'm standing up right now, Thomas. I'm <laughs> standing up. That'd be exciting for draft night. It's a premier position. I mean, you can't keep undervaluing it like that. You're, you're just going to get killed. Yeah. Yep, I've been trying to tell John that for quite some time now. It just <laughs> sucks watching like. The secondary get killed every single season because of this lack of talent. And currently, how can you go into a draft with the with the guys the Eagles have right now? They didn't. Did you did you notice Harry Roseman said that they're feeling good about the guys they have now moving into the draft, and they they like to be in a position where they don't have to reach for anything. Well, shit. I mean, who's the deep? Who's the secondary? Damn. <laughs> yeah. It's yes. bad, man. It's Heck really McPherson bad. McPherson and Epps. Come on, what are we doing? Yeah. Don't 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 you 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 knock that off with Epps, all right? We've we've had a good relationship. Uh, <laughs> of me yelling at him on Sundays, so I'd like to keep that. Do you going. want to be yelling at Kwan Wallace instead, or <laughs> uh, Vince? Take us home, brother. I think this has been great, man. Thanks so much for joining us, Thomas. My pleasure. Yeah. Always, yeah. Uh, always a pleasure. Thanks for having us, or thanks. Well, thanks for coming on with us, and and thanks everybody for buying bingo cards. By the way, oh my god, let's talk about the bingo cards for a second. Uh, yeah, they, they've been selling like crazy. We've been thrilled with the response so far. Everybody, thank you so much. It's been it's been you know a lot to get all of this together and to see everybody following through. It, this is going to be so much fun on draft night. I've got a card. I'm going to be playing along. And uh, if you don't have one, go to our website. So bellandthebirdmen.com. It's the first link on our page. We sell single cards, six packs of cards. And if you really want to go for it, 15 cards you can get in a single pack. It's a massive discount for it. And you can get a trip for two to an Eagles game. That is our grand prize. If that's not enticing, why are you listening to an Eagles podcast? <laughs> question. So that, that is what's going on. Again, bellandthebirdmen.com is where you can find it. Thank you so much. Thomas, thank you so much. And we'll see you at the draft, man.